All right, we are live. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to Sweet Stories. Today, we are delighted to be joined by Tristan Queen, CEO and co-founder of Arcade Belts. With an innovative approach that blends fashion with functionality, Tristan has established Arcade Belts as the market leader in the belt industry. His strategic use of technology in business operations has played a significant role in Arcade Belts' success. From early stages, we'll dive into his background and excited to see some of the valuable insights Tristan's going to be providing us today. I'm Louis Ballot Nuage, joined with my co-host, Gina. Gina, Hi, I think we can, uh, go ahead and jump on in. Tristan, it's great to have you. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. Hi, everyone. Um, yeah, let's dive into it with, with Tristan. Thanks for jumping on. Um, wanted to start by asking if you could tell us a little bit about your journey and how Arcade Belts came to be. Any backstories? <laughs> We'd love to hear. Uh, absolutely. M mine's very much um, the founder story, not really knowing what we were getting into. And if we had, maybe would have done it differently. Um, so very genuine from the ground up, uh, no business school education. I wasn't trained at a larger organization. I didn't you know, have exposure to business structure or tech or setting up systems or organizations. So um, late 20s, and some elbow grease um, was how it all started. And we really just were trying to solve a problem for ourselves. We lived a lifestyle that was based around activity, sport, travel. Um, the work we were doing was just to finance that lifestyle. And we found a piece of equipment that was really overlooked, um, easy to um, kind of devalue the, the, the belt category, but um, we found a huge opportunity to reimagine it built something from scratch that worked better, was more versatile, lightweight, and fit our lifestyle. Um, so very much kind of the, the founder brick by brick journey, um, which is now 14 years long. And Tristan, as, as you all have kind of uh, uh, found a, a niche in the belt space, and, and you know, I think kind of the, the school of hard knocks, figuring out on your own, you know, can you tell us a little bit about your technology journey? I mean, you, you certainly seem to be at the forefront of, of all things tech these days. Yeah, we started at the very opposite end of the spectrum. Um, I'm not particularly an early adopter with tech personally, and our company in the early days was probably as, um, as far on the other end of the spectrum as you could be. So it was very much a step-by-step -step journey. Um, we identified things along the way that were really always just customer centric. We needed a new system in order to do business with a partner that was out of our league, um, maybe one of the, the premier online retailers in our industry. Or um, there was a way that people wanted to transmit information back and forth to the company and we didn't have a system for that. And then the real turning point was just the ERP need of keeping all of our information organized in one place, um, starting to establish an ecosystem where you Man, you know, I think we have at least 10 integrations with NetSuite at this point. Mm -hmm. um, so for us, it was always responding to the customer need and wanting to be able to do business with people where and when they wanted us to be uh, there yeah. available for them. Um, so we, we certainly weren't trying out, uh, trying to set out and reinvent how business is done. Um, it was always kind of nice that we would realize we needed a solution we'd look for one and someone had created it someone in the tech space and i think it's really important to, to recognize we make a physical product 
we manufacture it, we transport it, and then we distribute it. So it's not a software, it's not software as a service. So we really use tech um, as a backbone to help us, you know, with our, with our primary focus, which is manufacturing and distribution of physical product. Right. Um, so as much as, as we try to be on the forefront now, it's really just to respond to the, to the marketplace and be available when and where people need us to be. And, and, you know, being in Olympic Valley, uh, you know, an area near and dear to my heart, kind of having grown up there, um, you've got one of the most difficult, kind of the best skier, snowboarder population right behind you in your backyard. When investors, when individuals are coming out, are you are you kind of putting them through the ringer on the mountain to uh, loosen them up a little bit and, and intimidate them? Or can you tell us a little bit about your, your presence in, in the uh, Palisades kind of alpine space? Sure. We're maybe a little, it's a, a bit more kinder, gentler approach these days, but in the early days, we, we really felt like it was such a core part of our brand. I'm, I'm a brand and product guy. Um, mm -hmm. Those are the things that are most interesting to me. And so when we would, you know, bring people out, it was really just to convey this sense of place. Um, our backyard is where we test products, um, where we get inspiration. We have a lot of this kind of movement as medicine uh, mentality here where it's at the core of what we do. And, and we really want to walk it like we talk it. We don't want to sell these adventurous dreams and then, you know, live a different lifestyle. It just creates a lot of cross currents. Um, but yeah, in the early days, I would say it was a positive selling point because investors, shareholders love the idea of coming out here to visit a company they invested in. And the other side, it was, how are you going to design an entire category and compete at a global level from the base of a ski area? in Lake Tahoe. Um, yeah. So it's a bit of a, a, a double-edged sword, but um, we've proven that um, there's a lot of talent. There's a lot of people out here that work the same way. Uh, you know, it's mm -hmm. not just unique to us or our area. Um, a lot of people are really passionate about the outdoors or an activity or a, a place that they want to live, but they're driven and motivated and educated. Um, and so we've had to, you know, kind of cherry pick those people out of uh what we like to call the dedicated dirt bag, which um, yeah. I say fondly because I, I have a little bit of that in me still. Well, we, we all do. Um, <laughs> at least I do. I think Gina can, can attest. She's, she's the same way. <laughs> yes, definitely. And you've been clearly successful in navigating this digital transformation with Arcade Belts, uh, whether it be organic or as, as customers' needs uh, progress. Could you maybe share a few key ways uh, that the technology has impacted the business more on your customer engagement or overall growth? Absolutely. Um, our, our industry is a little particular in that we still have independent core specialty shops that write their orders on paper and send it in an envelope with a stamp. Mm -hmm. um, they also have a payment via handwritten pen and ink um, check, uh, via, via the postal service, but we have to build a business where we can, we can absorb that's a customer to us, a retailer mm -hmm. all the way to the other end of the spectrum where you have, you know, the national accounts or, or the big fish like an REI, um, or, or similar businesses where everything's done via EDI. So it's electronic transfer information. Um, and, and the responsibilities on us to be able to to be a successful partner to them. So we really, we have to do the entire scope. 
Um, so tech has played a role in that. If we want to do business with the big guys, um, we have to meet them at their level. And sometimes how we adopt tech, uh, the playbook is just laid out right in front of us. And sometimes we have to problem solve. So for us, it's just making sure we can do this broad spectrum and then keep all the information um, organized. And kind of like I said before, like create this ecosystem. Um, so for example, a B2B portal where a retailer can enter an order on their own, on their own time from their couch. Um, and, and how many manual processes can we move from, from that data getting into our system? Um, mm -hmm. So it's, it's particular to our industry, but I would just say the, the most specific to how we run our business is just the, the spectrum that we have to operate in. Um, yeah, it sounds like your customers are, are pretty diverse and you have to meet their needs where they're at. So in using exactly. technology, you know, to bring them along <laughs> and help your business and increase those efficiencies, which you'll see that on the ROI side. Very much. Like, yeah. I mean, limited resources, right? We, it's mm -hmm. a staff of 20, but we're doing three quarters of a million units a year globally. So we're dealing with international, um, you're dealing with direct to consumer nuances and then the entire um, conversation about how you communicate to customers and the tech there, mm -hmm. social media, those types of things. That's a whole other conversation that involves tech, but it really does become this, this big ecosystem about operationally, um, yeah, just needing to, sh needing to show up for our customers. Um, we always say operational excellence for us is, it, it keeps us in business because everyone's expecting us to not be not meet their standards mm -hmm. have any red flags if you're going to try uh if you're going to take a chance on a small business in an in an interesting category and we don't have a ton of weight to swing um you know famous ceo or ambassador that everybody knows um we got to show up as an operation we got to be on time the correct product um, the correct documentation the correct paperwork whether it's directly to a customer or to a, to a retailer. Interested in that vein, you know, the, the flexibility, the nimbleness of your organization, what are, what are some things you're, you're pretty excited about over the next couple of years? What are some things you're starting to maybe dip your toes into that, that you're pretty excited about? Yeah, I, I would say for us, we're really in the scale phase. We've created a lot of systems over the last two years. So we're going to now stress test those. Um, we made a ton of investments into these platforms. Um, I would say two things. One of them is we never really had a dedicated operations department at Arcade. Um, that's something that we stood up recently. It was always sort of a shared responsibility. So new talent in-house is going to help us. Um, the fact that most of the platforms that we're looking to, uh, to bring on board are already We've already done that. So now we get a stress test them mm -hmm. and scale. And I would say internally, I'm most excited just about uh, achieving some clarity. Um, we realized that NetSuite in particular is such a dynamic platform that even in an organization our size, uh, that, as small as we are, um, 20 employees, that everybody can be looking at different data and you don't even realize it. So yeah. I was most excited about um, maybe unlocking the real potential of these tools that we've brought on. We're all looking at the right data or, hey, it'd be, it'd be nice to see that. That could inform our business strategy, but we have no idea where it exists within our tech. 
Mm -hmm. um, so I'd say that is, is starting to optimize the tech we have as opposed to this more daunting task of we have a lot of things that need to be on. No, that's, that's a great answer. No doubt. Um, really, uh, uh, also, can you maybe share a book or a resource or an individual maybe that's significantly influenced your approach on business and strategy? That one, that one's a little tricky. Uh, most, most of my mentors are more, um, doesn't relate, it doesn't relate to tech in any way. Um, more, more <laughs> that's okay. Strategy. You can um, share that. I'd be remiss. If, so, so very early on, one of our, our investors um, was Santiago Aguirre. Him and his brother founded Reef Sandals. Um, they took it from um, a small little folding table at a trade show and two surfing brothers from Argentina um, to just a globally recognized legacy brand um, mm -hmm. that has, you know, sold uh, was via Decker's. Just a great success story, but did it in a very similar way to us. So aspirational, and he's helped me a lot along the way. Um, and then for a book, I, I was thinking about it. There's so the book Crossing the Chasm. It's it's really cliche, but it's about the you know how to sell innovative tech to the masses. And most dog-eared book I have. It's the most easy to digest business book I have because there's not a lot of time to you know do a lot of high-level stuff. Um, as far as reading and education for me, it's more, uh, the days are pretty packed, but that, that book crossing the chasm, I think relates to business strategy, tech adoption. And it, it really just defines who are the, who are you selling to? And it forces you to look in the mirror every step of the way. Are you, are you selling to the innovators and the, the early adopters that are, they're always willing to try the newest phone or the newest tech for anyone else, or are you selling to people that are a bit more, um, they want things tested out first and maybe they're a bit more susceptible to buyer's remorse. Mm -hmm. So can you create a comfort level for them? Um, so that that book, I, I always recommend because I think everyone will get a, a little something out of it. And yeah. most, most people already cruise through it. And Tristan, I wanted to ask, you know, the it's funny, so my brother's in Denver and he always jokes how every single person in Denver is wearing an arcade belt. Um, <laughs> brand loyalty is exceptionally strong with arcade belts. What's the secret sauce? You know, what, what do you think went into to creating such a strong brand loyalty? Yeah, I think, I think a lot of it starts with product. If you know, we don't want to sell snake oil. Um, mm -hmm. and, and for us, the, it goes back to the origin story. We, the options for belts, if you are active and you wear, you know, your pants stretch now, a button up shirt stretches now, mm -hmm. everything's comfortable and moves with you. And there was just, you know, then you've got this fake leather or leather or a, or a tie down strap or a voice cut belt. So I think it all comes back to functionality. We wanted to solve that problem and we wanted to design a category. And I think category design is um, just a different approach to business. And if you design a category successfully, usually a lot of competitors then fill the space next to you. Yeah. Um, but then I would say as far as the loyalty, you know, the belt does most of the work. And then um, that buzzword authenticity, again, staying, you know, w walking across the, the street to the resort or biking out the backyard keeps us connected to that audience. Denver's mm -hmm. an active town. Those people live in pretty dynamic lifestyles. So if we can show up with brand and product and then not, fumble the ball as far as delivery of message yeah. and 
product, you know, um, then I think that that stuff all comes together. Well, thank you. That That's a great insight and want to thank our audience. This has concluded our episode of Sweet Stories and very insightful. Uh, we want to thank you, Tristan, for joining us today and sharing your valuable perspectives. Um, for our listeners, you know, if you're looking to navigate your own digital transformation journey, remember you don't have to do it alone, whether you're just starting to consider cloud solutions or need expert guidance, our team at Nuage can help. Um, before we, we wrap up, Tristan, kind of want to give you the last word, anything you'd like to share to the audience, um, any recommendations, anything uh, that comes top of mind? Yeah, I mean, this isn't a shameless plug. Um, we genuinely appreciate the support we get from Nuage. And I was hoping for that, Kristen. <laughs> I mean it honestly, and I think it kind of relates to some of those other questions you asked, is we don't, NetSuite is such a dynamic platform and there's so many integrations we have. I don't, I don't want to spend my time becoming an expert in that space. Mm-hmm. And I realized that customizations of that platform are almost essential for every business. And that the out-of-the-box solutions or or NetSuite stock support systems, we're running into dead end after dead end after dead end. And we kind of felt like there was this ceiling um, where we had this really, they always say it's like having a Ferrari and only using it to drive to the grocery store. That's what it felt like. So yeah. I would say if you want to focus on your business and focus on what, what you're best at, what your team's best at, um, having great support to teach you what you don't know um or like i said like visibility and efficiency within the system we we won't be able to accomplish that without support so um, we're very deliberate about seeking it out and it's something i recommend to to my peers that are also on the platform that seem to struggle from the same thing there's a lot of uh, smoke coming out of people's ears of how do i use this thing i know it's powerful but I, i just can't i can't figure it out Well, that's perfect. Well, thank you, Tristan. We appreciate your time today. Thank you to our listeners. Hope everybody has a great day. Thank you. Thanks.